First bike talk. Hello. Hey, this is Glenn Bailey. Hey, Glenn. How are you doing? Okay. Well, what's going on? I mean, well, first, could you just uh, tell us who you are and the name of your committee? Right. Um, Glenn Bailey, and I'm on the uh, City of Los Angeles Bicycle Advisory Committee, and I'm its current chairperson. Okay. And so, what what's going on uh, this week or this month in general? <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> There's a lot going on this month because of uh, bike to bike to work, bike month, bike week, that sort of thing. But actually, um, I wanted to talk about what went on last month, i.e., April, um, particularly in the last two weeks, um, with regards to City of Los Angeles Measure R funding, which was uh, a um, roller coaster of uh, efforts from a lot of folks, uh, bicyclists, and the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition, and I uh, participated in that as well. What is Measure R? Uh, Measure R was a half-cent sales tax that was approved by the voters last year um, that's dedicated for transportation um, improvements. Mm -hmm. so, this is, so this is the first funding cycle, and, and the, um, the proposal was to get some money set aside for bicycling and pedestrian projects. And so that's been going through the city process to the uh, city transportation committee and then hit the full city council um, um, this past week as far as uh, making a decision, a policy decision about um, how much money. And so there was uh, the proposal initially started off as five percent of the monies for bikes and five percent for pedestrian projects, and that evolved to um, ten percent for a combination. And so that was what was being pushed, and um, it did have the support of the city department staff, et cetera. But what happened was that. Um, one of the council members uh, made a motion to say to change that language slightly, but a big difference, and that was to make it a um, basically a maximum up to ten percent. Which council member? Uh, that, the motion was made by council member Parks. Oh, yeah. Seconded by council member Smith, um, as I recall, and. Um, that, um, that, you know, that there's a big difference between saying a set amount of 10% versus up to 10%, because up to could mean basically zero or 1% or whatever. So it was, uh, stakes were pretty high there. So that was, uh, you know, the bicyclists weighed in. There was a lot of uh, uh, discussion amongst most of the council members. Um, there was even another motion put in by council member Correct. Uh, that uh, to the effect of that it be a minimum of ten percent. In other words, uh -huh. it could be more than ten percent. Huh. Um, uh, which actually almost passed. It was a seven to seven vote, and you need eight votes to pass uh, something on the city council. So that but actually kind of an interesting but show show support for us. But anyway, the discussion amongst uh, you know certainly the cycling community and and. You know, a, a good number of the council members, I, I can't say it was, you know, the majority who, who voted, but certainly, you know, I was counting up the numbers and probably got pretty close to that eight number, you know, actually expressed that the city's not doing enough for bicycling and hasn't for many years. And, um, and so that was the argument that carried the day for that discussion. So, so what, what did we end up with? So we ended up with the with the uh, recommendation that it be a combined 10% uh, for both bicycling and pedestrian projects. Um, and the rest is cars? Hmm? And the rest is cars and buses? 
Uh, the rest, it can be transit. Uh, I don't have the breakdown of all the other money. But, yeah, the 90% of the money goes to other, other uh, trans, trans, transportation-related projects. So I don't, I don't have the breakdown on the other things uh, with me. Um, but so it's not less than, not, not more than, um, because the other money, the other 90% is divvied up amongst uh, other projects, uh, including transit and road projects, et cetera. Um, of, the, of this action, though, it's only good for this 2010-2011 uh, fiscal year. So there, that, that raises a couple of challenges. Number one, it means that um, the responsible agency, which right now is Department of Transportation, needs to, uh, you know, uh, show, show some um, product, uh, you know, actually get some projects on the ground in a relatively short amount of time, which, um, frankly, hasn't been, uh, been the reputation. So uh, I think we in the bicycling community will certainly need to pressure uh, the department to do that. And, of course, the, the second issue is, is that when this comes up again then next year, and it probably would be during the same time frame for making a decision about continuing this policy. Uh, you know, you, you want to be able to show that you've actually gotten worthwhile projects, in, you know, on the ground, you know, bicycle lanes or other other types of uh, efforts. And what that means is, is it, it's less than a year. You know, by the time that uh, the fiscal year starts, July one, you know, getting the projects. You know, done, and then you're having to justify it for continuation for for the 2011-2012. So that's going to be a big challenge. But you know, you just got to do step at a time. And um, and of course, the city council is now going through the whole budgeting process uh, as we speak. Um, so how do you keep the pressure on the city council? Well, certainly showing up at the hearings. Um, you know. You know the bodies actually being there and applauding when they do things right, and and uh, not applauding when they're when they're when you don't agree with what they're doing. And certainly phone calls and emails and you know faxes, especially to the council members um, that people you know who are constituents of those particular council members is is uh, very helpful. So. So uh, I'm sure that the different uh, bicycling organizations will uh, you know, spread the word as far as the next the next point in time, which uh, this will come up. But hopefully, this policy decision will stand through the budgeting process that they're going through now. Um, it does have the support of the mayor's office as far as this 10%, so that that's helpful. And um, and like I said, I think the next big challenge is then uh, you know once the budget is approved, then to uh, Push Department of Transportation and any of any of the other agencies um, that might have a hand in bicycle projects to, to actually get things moving quickly and take advantage of. The amount of money is about 3.2 million for a year. Yeah. So that um, you know, it's not a it, it's significant for cyclists. It's not really that much when you look at a you know the overall city budget. Of, uh, depending on which which pot of monies you look at, four to six billion dollars. So, what kind of changes can we see from this? Do you think? Well, personally, uh, you know, frankly, uh, we haven't actually all sat down and tried to figure this out. But uh, personally, I'm hoping that we can um, move to implement some of the recommendations that have been sitting on the shelf for uh, since the 1996 approved bicycle plan, which was. Um, readopted uh, two times since then, so you know, the last time in 2007, to get some to get some more bike lanes uh, installed where, where people. And some of those have been done, and some of them are in the works. Um, but I'm hoping that maybe this will um, this will expedite that process. And I certainly think cyclists should demand it. Um, I, I personally will be. So. Um, Okay, well, I hope that we can keep the, the pressure on. Right, so, it, you know, in terms of money and what that translates into, uh, bicycle lane installation, according to the city, costs twenty eight to $30,000 a mile. So this amount of money would 
would provide, if it was just bike lanes, would provide for 100 miles. Okay. Um, but, of course, you know, it's not just that simple to put it in, but, um, you know, we'll be watching them and we'll, we'll be certainly pressuring them and we'll certainly will be spreading that information, uh, you know, on your show and other, other ways as we can. Yeah. Okay, Glenn, well, thank you. And when is your next meeting? When are the LABC meetings? The, city, the City Bicycle Advisory Committee meetings are the first Tuesday at 7 p.m. of even-numbered months. The next meeting will be Tuesday, June 1st, 7 p.m. And the location? We meet at the Hollywood um, Neighborhood City Hall. Where's that? Um, now, of course, <laughs> I don't have the address memorized. Oh, well, the cross streets? Um, Roughly? Roughly Wilton, um, just below Sunset. So, it's, a, uh, it's a new location for you guys. You yeah, we started up. meeting there in February. Well, um, okay, anything else uh, that we should be on the lookout for or that we should recognize? Oh, there's, there is a lot going on, but um, I'll just focus on that. Well, we got, a, we got a couple minutes if you want to say a couple other things. Well, um... Last week, you'll probably, I don't know if you're going to have a caller on about the bike corrals. We might. And, okay. <laughs> right. Um, because that's the first time that that uh, has been has been um, acted on the city of Los Angeles, and that was also last week, um, to authorize the installation of bike parking. Um, this happened to be on York Boulevard, um, uh, a, a business that was... Um, a coffee shop that was supportive uh, of, of replacing a car parking space with uh, parking for bicycles on the street um, in an area that uh, has very limited parking and, and try to encourage more uh, more business, more patronage uh, by cyclists and accommodating them by providing parking. And so that's um, novel for the city of Los Angeles to take a car parking space and replace it with so how does that work? They take a parking spot and they chop it up? And they'll install uh, probably the inverted U-racks mm -hmm. um, in the parking, in that parking space and accommodate, instead of one car, accommodate hopefully 10 to 12 bicycles. And the city's putting some money into that? Actually, the city is not putting any money into it. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding is that it's being funded by um, the, the local businesses. I, I think the neighborhood council is putting in some money and so... So it actually is more of a policy decision, and if it's successful, hopefully other business districts throughout the city might um, ask for a similar, uh, a similar accommodation. The issue is it's up to the city to give permission for such a use in a public street. You know, it, the city has to decide, okay, it's okay to take a car parking space to do this. Mm -hmm. so, it looks uh, like they're going to do it. So they did vote to uh, to authorize that to be done. So um, okay, good. And anything else? Um, well, again, a, a lot of things are uh, may come up during the budgeting, the budget process. Uh, you know, the city's got some financial challenges, and so that does impact what we can and can't get done as far as um, uh, the city resources. Um, I, I there's something that's somewhat of interest to cyclists, and that's the um, the issue of unhitched trailers that are parked uh, along the edge of many streets in, in the city and other areas, and um, it's, you know, it means that cyclists have to um, go around them, sometimes go out in traffic, sometimes they're parked in bicycle lanes, which is illegal, um, and I guess the, the, the news on that is that there's a bill that would basically... Uh, prohibit them unless they're been authorized by the city um, that passed the state assembly and it's now going to state senate so mm -hmm. that is um, that's something to keep an eye on um, it would change the rules so that instead of a city having to fight these things a trailer at a time the cities would have the authority to um, just just say no and uh, and then if there was a place that they wanted to allow them that they could do that that's my understanding so I know that's uh, an issue of great annoyance to cyclists. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's also a safety issue, especially when, when it's windy and they blow over and then then it's even a worse of a hazard. Um, also, the street doesn't get swept where there is street sweeping because uh, they have to go, you know, they have to avoid where those trailers are. So, what, so what trailers are you talking about? Which? I mean, these trailers, they're... They're unhitched. They're advertising signs that are on two wheels, and okay. they pull them up and park them next to the curbs and then leave them mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, they're allowed to park up to 72 hours, but many of them are left long, much longer than 72 hours. Many of them are sighted, but the, you know, the uh, they don't get towed away until after, I understand, the fifth citation. So the um, promoters uh, of these advertising signs, you know, keep track, and when they get the fourth citation, then, then they move them. Oh, so okay. it's, it's really a, a, a waste of time for, um, you know, the enforcement personnel to have to deal with this situation, and it's uh, unnecessary hazard for cyclists, and uh, it's a blight on the, on the neighborhoods as well. So for all those reasons, um, hopefully the bill will get through the state senate and signed by the governor, and then that will allow all cities in California to to uh, take action to remove these from our streets. So and where did the original uh, bill come from? I was introduced by two uh, local assembly members, um, assembly member Fuhrer, and Assemblymember Blumenthal, and they're they're from the Los Angeles area. Okay, well, I want to thank you, Glenn, for being on top of everything that's related to bikes in LA and you're in the LABAC. I, I try. <laughs> I try. Thank you very much. Okay, thank All you. Right. Have a good day. What she say, man? When you get to be grown up, what you wanna be? I say, hey, mama, hey, mama, don't wanna be no doctor, man. Oh, no, 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 no politician, no movie star, cause all these things we got. Now, there's a job I'd like to have that oh, yeah. you can never be. To be 42, a chrome frame, and be a bicycle seat. We're on the phone with Dorothy La of the LACBC, and how are you doing, Dorothy? I'm good, I'm good. I'm in San Diego, actually, at a student convergence, and they're talking about abolishing corporate state, uh, personhood, so it's kind of exciting. So, wow. um, this campaign called the Ultimate Civics Campaign. That sounds amazing. That's, yeah. been, a, that's been an issue since the, the late 1800s. I mean, uh, yeah, 1900s. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, can you uh, can you tell us what's been going on with the LACBC and, and their work in bikes recently? Yeah, yeah. Good that you called. Um, it's been really exciting. This week was. Um, I'm sure from last week, Arisha talked about the 10% Majar campaign. So this week. Um, we were continuing um, actions on that campaign to um, guarantee um, 10% of our um, local return funds from Measure R for um, bicycles and pedestrians. And we had a big city council meeting um, on Wednesday in which um, it was pretty dramatic, but in the end, the city, LA City Council voted 11 to 3 to um, support the full 10% for bicycles and pedestrians. And, um, and actually, we had a budget and finance committee meeting um, right after that um, the next day, um, and um, it, it also um, went through. So I really feel confident that we're going to be able to get a really good amount of money for bicyclists and pedestrians in the future, um, in the near future, 2010 to 2011. And this is a really um, important change and says that our city is committed to tangibly um, giving money towards um, non-motorized transportation, which we're really excited about and really happy that people are so supportive. People sent letters. We saw that people called the um, council members. So it really um, got people out and got people excited. So we're really excited about that. 
Well, I just talked to the chair of the LABAC, Glenn Bailey, about that. And oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, good. And okay, cool. So, yeah, he, he told me his perspective about it, and I was wondering if you could tell me what you think the changes are going to be in the city that we'll be able to actually witness. Yeah, totally. Well, there's a lot of, um, you know, small, there's a lot of projects out there that this money can fund, um, because it's only $3 million, so um, it's not, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, but I think just stuff that can be done today, so um, bike lanes and bike racks and um, some of the sort of bike boulevard things happening in the city, as well as um, putting in um, some signage and some and some improvements for some of the bike paths. So it's just a lot of ready-to-go projects that I think the money can um, fund and sidewalk improvements and pavement things. So um, we're really looking forward to some of the, the um, projects that we've been sort of pushing for, which are um, bike lanes in... Um, sort of the central part of Los Angeles and um, and uh, the 4th Street Bike Boulevard. What is the um, central project. part of Los Angeles consistent? Oh, I'm talking about, um, you know, like downtown and um, Silver Lake and Echo Park and um, uh, Koreatown because that's where a, lo- a lot of concentrated cyclists are. So mm-hmm. we want to see some bike lanes in, in those areas. Okay. Great. Yeah. And, and uh, you have other projects that you're... Yeah, yeah. So today's, well, today's May Day, so it represents a lot of different things, but um, go workers. Um, but also um, May is um, int- uh, is also um, a bike a bike month. So there's a lot of stuff happening with um, bike to school, uh, bike to work day, which is May 20th, and bike to school day, which is May 21st, and there's a bunch of events happening all over in, um, Los Angeles County, from Glendale to Culver City, Long Beach. Um, there are bike rides, and there's a bike fest May 8th and 9th in Long Beach. There's um, a historical ride actually today in Glendale happening. So check out um, our calendar and various calendars um, to see all the events that are happening all across the county for bikes. And it's LACBC, the website? Um, LA-bikes.org. And, well, thanks a lot. I know you're busy. You're in the the conference right now. So, is there anything else you want to say, or shall we just let you go back? Oh no! Um, thanks for the call, and um, yeah, just uh, let's just keep on pushing it. And I'm really seeing. Um, it was really one thing that I thought was really um, inspiring, um, if you will, at the city council meetings was it really solidified who was willing to put their name out there for bicyclists. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the names that come out are um, Councilmember Correct. Rosendahl, Krikorian, Alarcone, um, and Garcetti. So um, those are the ones that we really, um, you know, they're, they're really willing to put their, their names out there. So that's really exciting. Yeah, we have a, a, a big bike advocate city council, I think. And what about Labange? Was he there? <laughs> Labange is there. I, he, yeah, he's definitely supportive. Um, but um, I would say that... Um, you know, we need to push him a little harder, I think, because um, I think he, he's only supportive if us others are supportive also okay. for certain things, especially with money. So, uh-huh. okay. And we definitely know we need to push Park, Smith, and Perry a lot harder. Okay, well, we'll work on that. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Dorothy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was Dorothy Love, the LACBC. We're going to have Stephen Box calling in in a minute. Stephen's a big bicycle advocate in L.A. He's he's involved in a lot of stuff, a lot of things. And we can listen to a little bike music in the meantime. He's got a man in China who said he gets him cheaply. It's got a magic candle. It's got a chrome defender. It's got a sprocket card and it's got some superpowers. What a pretty bicycle, she said I want one just like that What a pretty bicycle, she said I want one just like that We got Stephen Box, he's a bike advocate activist in L.A. And how you doing, Stephen? Good, how are you guys doing? We're good. 
It's just me today, but doing good. Happy May Day. Happy May Day. Is everyone out riding on the May Day uh, event? Uh, it seems like it to me. Everybody, a lot of people I know. Excellent. Um, so, how about you? Well, I'm down here at the Los Angeles Neighborhood Council Coalition. I just stepped out for a few so we could talk uh, bikes for a few. Uh-huh. And what? um, What's going on so at, you, the, at the meeting? Well, uh, you know, this is a... The city of L.A. is in a budget crisis, so um, we've been at city council all week long on the city budget. And, of course, here we are on a Saturday. Neighborhood council representatives from around the city are over here at the Hollywood City Hall. And we're engaged in uh, discussion on... Uh, the budget, the future of L.A., and how we're going to uh, become a great city. And so along the way, um, the subject of vision comes up. And as you recall from last year, the whole Measure Art campaign was a vision for transportation. And that $40 billion over 30 years is now being compressed into 10 years of transportation work, which has the potential to put a lot of people to work and really improve the transportation scene here in Los Angeles. And part of that deal was that uh, local communities would get 15% of the big budget to apply wherever they want. And so uh, over the last year, there's been a bit of discussion of where the cyclists fit into this whole funding scheme. And so I've been um, fairly active, not just working on Measure R last year, or I guess two years ago now, it was 2008, get Measure R passed, but also to navigate the journey so that um, you know, cyclists don't get lost in these billion-dollar you know, freeway widening, widening projects or billion-dollar bridge projects. And um, so I, I suppose you've been chatting a bit about the 10% set yeah. aside. Yeah, what was your – I think you might have a conflicting view. Is, is that possible? Well, I mean, um, yeah, I actually – I, I don't know if it's conflicting. It's just an, uh, another way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been involved, and I've, I was there when they uh, did the Working bad track. math. They give they, they set aside 10% of net as opposed to 10% for gro- of gross mm-hmm. for cyclists. And so, I, you know, I've been around kind of fighting for some of those nips and tucks on the 10% set aside. But philosophically speaking, I'm kind of opposed to set asides. And the reason for this is, as I think um, Mary Nichols of... Uh, uh, I think she put it, you know, when we have set-asides, we kind of ghettoize a mode. And I actually don't think philosophically it's a great idea to keep having set-asides for different modes. Can you explain because, set-asides? Well, sure. Uh, we'll put 5% over here for pedestrians. We'll put 5% over here for cyclists. We'll put, you know, X percent over here for... I think that a robust transportation system should accommodate all modes of transportation. And if we start separating and leaving each mode with its own fund, what happens is you end up with projects that get completed but have neglected one or two modes. For example, the Expo line had separated the cyclists. So they're building an Expo line, which means they're putting a billion dollars worth of transportation work down, you know, from east side to west side. Mm -hmm. But the cyclists are on their own to navigate the journey, which means that we end up with something called the gulch in one area. And, and I don't know when gulch became a transportation uh, term, but I'm, what, what it means is that cyclists end up arguing for what's left over when everything else is done. And that's why we have a bike path in Silmar, but can't, you know, but, but can't get Venice and, and Wilshire and Santa Monica resurfaced so that cyclists can ride the curb lane. So you see, if we had a robust standard that included all modes in some fashion, whatever is appropriate for the circumstances, for example... And Figaro, it might be a, a, a road diet, uh, as opposed to Wilshire and, and Westwood. It might be a unique engineering solution to get cyclists through that whole uh, 405 interchange uh, area what, there. I'm sorry, what's a road diet? A road diet is where you take an overly wide street that encourages fast traffic, unnecessarily fast traffic, and you reduce the width of the street so that it's easier for pedestrians to cross the street, so that it slows traffic down, so that it's uh, more appropriate for the environment mm-hmm. because Wilshire Boulevard is completely different than Fig. Fig is a residential community without, and it doesn't have the heavy traffic volume. So why do they have a wide street that allows people to take you know curves and corners at speed? A road diet would be um, uh, enhancements, engineering solutions mm-hmm. that slow traffic down so that it feels comfortable for the community. 
You know, that's where people live. Kids are going to school. There's a playground. People are shopping. They're walking home. They're riding their bicycles. So why do you want that to have 55 mile an hour, 45 to 55 mile an hour freeway, uh, 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 speed limits like you do on some of the uh, North Valley, for example? You've got a bike lane on Reseda, and you've got uh, traffic that's barreling up into the, uh, you know, up north. And you've got the speed limits up to 50 miles an hour alongside of a bike lane. So this is just bad for humans, period. Mm-hmm. So you're um, saying you're saying put the bike money into the money for the for just make everything you do consider every form of transportation. Correct. That's the federal and state standards of you know complete streets or shared streets. Is that we include accommodations for all people at the beginning of the planning process. Mm-hmm. What you have now is that cyclists are constantly looking at streets that get resurfaced and saying, gosh, wouldn't we have fit on here quite nicely? For example, it's Panga Canyon. Why do you have a, a peak hour parking lane that could have been a nice, you know, you, they could calm that street down, Panga Canyon. Mm-hmm. It's already been, by the way, Panga Canyon Boulevard over in, in the valley. It's already been engineered, and, so, and the money's already set aside for bike lanes. But the Department of Transportation wants to put in peak hour parking, which means that people park in that lane, except during, um, how you doing, Paul? Except during, um, rush hour when it turns into another traffic lane. The problem with that is you can't stripe it for bike lanes because, you know, it, it, sometimes it's parking and sometimes it's traffic, and you can't put down sharrows because sometimes the sharrow would be out in the second lane rather than the curb lane. So when, it, when you have a variable condition like that, it just leaves cyclists at, excluded from the full. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, are the chance, what is the chance of people listening to you and, and doing that? I mean, anytime soon. Oh, I guess that was an inappropriate question. What happened to Steve? All right. That was a good question. All right, hold on. Well, we lost Steve Box. Um, I'll try him again. Let me put on some music. Hey, Steve. Hey, sorry I got cut off there by the... Uh Department of Transportation, I guess. Oh. Uh-huh. You think that they're that they're listening to us? <laughs> I know they do. Huh. Um, I think I uh, dropped there when I was saying, can you imagine a transportation environment where every time we considered any uh, improvement, whether it was just maintenance, repairs, or whether we considered a new project, that we started off by saying, how do people fit into this? Mm-hmm. Where do the cyclists go? Mm-hmm. And work their way up from a hierarchy of people uh, before we lay down all of the limitations that prevent us from including people at the end of the project. Right. And I think that would be a worthy goal for us to work toward. Well, that's interesting. Have you, have you talked to, who have you talked to about this? Who knows about this? Well, I mean, I presented this to the Metro, and the Metro, of course, was the, uh, you know, the facilitator of the Measure R money, um, a countywide facility. I've, I've mentioned this to the Southern California Association of Governments, which is a multi-county regional uh, planning organization. I've uh, brought this up at the uh, Caltrans, the California State Transportation um, Department of Transportation, and that's two counties, L.A. County and Ventura County. It's a, it's a big move. It's a, it's a large shift in the way we do things. Keep in mind that by taking a small amount of change and setting it aside, you're also setting aside the mode. And I don't know how you feel about that, but seriously, can you, can you I don't want that? to be set aside. Huh? Can you explain that? Well, we, we, it, moves, it moves us off the main plan, planning table mm-hmm. and into a separate department. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be set aside. Mm-hmm. I want to be part of the planning for the main project. I don't want to be an afterthought. I don't want to be considered if there's any room left over to consider cyclists. I want cyclists to be first and foremost right up front, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be fighting after the project is done, like over at Hollywood and Vine, saying, hey, how about a bike rack? Um, I don't want to be fighting after the fact, you know, on Wilshire Boulevard, hey, how do we cross the street? You know, they've got double right turn lanes over on Westwood, uh, over on Wilshire Boulevard, just past Westwood, uh, approaching the 405. Cyclists that are in the curb lane find themselves with no way to get across there because they've got two lanes of traffic on their left passing at speed onto the freeway and turning onto the freeway. 
And when they when we asked the Caltrans engineers, well, then how, do, how where would the cyclists go? Because what you need to do is you need to stripe it and move the cyclists over one block ahead of time. Right. It yeah. should be over two, two lanes over one block ahead of time. But if you don't communicate that clearly, how would people know? And, and, and here's the funny thing: we we put signs up for for motorists everywhere. There's no shortage of signs telling motorists where to park, which lane, what off-ramp, what goes where. Yet for cyclists, even something as simple as signage is an afterthought. And no longer should cyclists be an afterthought, a set-aside, uh, if there's room, we'll think of you. That's just inappropriate, unacceptable, and that's what I think should change. So, on the one hand, it's a great victory, the 10% set-aside. By the way, that was part of the formula from the beginning. Um... And, you know, there's uh, 88 communities plus the county that are sharing in the Measure R funds. And so one way to appease the local communities, you know, that may or may not get a large rail project going through their community was to set aside uh, money for those local communities. That's where the 15% comes from. And of the 15, cyclists and pedestrians were asking for 10%. So you can see smaller and smaller amounts are being set aside to pacify a user group, and I don't think we should be getting pacified. I think that we should be front and center, part of the part of the transportation system. Well, I'm about to talk to um, Damian Newton of Streets Blog LA. Is there anything that you would like to ask him or Damian? talk about? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he'll have uh, he'll probably um, have uh, strong opinions on Measure R funding also. Um, I don't think he's as philosophical and idealistic as I am about the uh, Measure R funds uh, specifically and set-asides in general. And, uh, in fact, I think his campaign was to get 1% um, of uh, total funds. In other words, we keep playing with these percentages. So, But he and I, you know, uh, we are on opposite sides when it comes to this. Um, to my perspective, that uh, cyclists shouldn't be set aside, but should be an integral part of the transportation system, transportation planning, transportation funding, transportation maintenance, transportation operation, getting around. Well, it's it's an interesting concept. I mean, it, it, I was thinking, imagine applying it to like the Department of of war, of defense, or whatever, you know, if, if they, if every war they had, they considered education and, and, and our public space and um, social services. Well, that's an interesting point, Nick, and I'll tell you this, I just did a presentation at Caltrans, and I pointed out that we always think of transportation projects, and, and you've changed the, the paradigm now to, to war, the Department of War, but imagine if we thought of things in terms of um, the many layers of participation, for example, there's the, um, we always think of infrastructure as being something that's either cement or, or steel or asphalt, but it's something that you build. And I think it's something that you build, but I think that we forget that there's such a thing as human infrastructure, and this applies to your war, your war metaphor also, mm-hmm. uh, but there's also something called social infrastructure. So it's not just the hearts and minds of individuals, but collectively, what are we doing socially to build infrastructure. In other words, social mores, the belief system, attitudes of our culture, our social infrastructure. And these are absolutely powerful uh, forms of infrastructure, much more powerful than a bridge or an on-ramp or a striped, you know, sharrow. What What's an example of social infrastructure? Social infrastructure is uh, motorists honking at cyclists and thinking they don't belong on the streets. So if we could if we could affect the the the, in, the, the, the attitudes of individuals, which is human infrastructure, mm-hmm. and start getting into social structure where our communities start demanding certain things like traffic calming instead of traffic speed. Mm-hmm. So you see, we're starting to cross over into how does our community behave? How does our so how does our society behave? Why do we tolerate crime in certain communities but not in others? Mm-hmm. And that's social infrastructure because it's something that you can't buy, you can't order some from a you know a, from a mixer that comes and drops it off on the corner. It's something that's built slowly, and it's really powerful. Uh, why is it that crime goes down in some communities? Why is it that some communities uh, respond with community um, uh, projects? In other words, why is it some neighborhoods uh, have more participation 
um, from the community? Why is there more ownership in the sense of taking responsibility for what's going on? Why is it some neighborhoods vote more than other neighborhoods? Why is it some neighborhoods are more optimistic and idealistic? Uh, why is it some neighborhoods have a greater expectation from their leadership than other neighborhoods? And that's social infrastructure. When we start affecting, um, you know, if you think, if you think how, in generation, our attitudes have changed dramatically with regards to the environment. That's social infrastructure. That starts to change demand. Kids are the ones that told their parents to stop smoking. Yeah, smoking's a big, uh, a, a big analogy for a lot of things. For yeah, so that's education. an example of social infrastructure. It's no longer appropriate. It's just a bad idea. Why are you smoking? You know, in, in this social event, yeah, there are kids here. There are other people. Why are you trying? So right. you see, when we start applying social infrastructure, you know, with this oil spill off the shore, uh, this offshore oil spill, mm-hmm. we're going to start seeing that. Okay, you know what? It was theoretical and philosophical, but now you screwed up another. You know, significant uh, area of our country with oil. You know, now you put an X on really close to home. And, and you see, that's going to start affecting attitudes of individuals. Collective social uh, infrastructure right. is our society saying, you know what, no longer is it acceptable for you to do whatever you want and apologize after. So and that's it... when laws start to change, which is political infrastructure, mm-hmm. because we start changing law. So do you see how different layers of infrastructure, they're not just, it's not just cement. So as you said with war, can you imagine if we settled strife not by dropping engineering infrastructure, you know, bombs, but what if we started working on individuals and started working on social infrastructure and political infrastructure and actually started developing relationships mm-hmm. that were codified with law, who were enforced by the law, but didn't require cement or bombs, you know, or engineering infrastructure right. that's destroying our, uh, our communities. So, so just real quickly, uh, since I want to get to Damien Newton, he's trying to call in. Um, are, can you can you think of an example of some social infrastructure work that's being done now that people can get involved in if they're listening? Infrastructure, absolutely. You know, Bikeside will be uh, convening uh, soon in the next uh, two weeks. Bikeside meeting for Bikeside. Can you can you tell us what that is? Bikeside is uh, uh, Alex Thompson's five hundred one C four. It's uh, 501c4 is advocacy. 501c3 is uh, education. So 501c4 is your only bike advocacy uh, movement in Southern California right now. So 501c4, and its first public meeting is coming up, and we'll be addressing a half dozen dozen things, including the upcoming bike plan, the backbone, bikeway network, um, opportunities to get involved in advocacy. And so this is probably your best shot for uh, getting involved in social infrastructure. So if you want to get involved in changing the world and you want to do it in a way that's sustainable, uh, social infrastructure is the opportunity to uh, put your put your cycling to work, uh, not just getting from point A to point B or having a good time doing it, but actually uh, leaving behind an impact that encourages others to ride their bikes and encourages our communities to be more accommodating for cyclists, and then encourages the integration of cyclists into the uh, fabric of our community. And the and the website and the first meeting or the next Web, meeting? Uh, just 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 uh, hit uh, bike side, hit, and you'll come to the website. Okay. Well, okay, we'll look there for the for the times of the meetings if, we're, if we can make it. And um, so I'm going to talk to Damien Newton now. See, I was stalling, see, just to punish uh, Damien. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> well, say hey to Damien for I me. Will. And okay. you guys, uh, have a good day. Thanks a lot. You too. All right. I'll talk All to you. Right. All right. Bye. And that was Steve Box, LA bike advocate and activist. We're waiting for a call now from Damien Newton of LA Streets Blog. Damien. Hey. So what? Uh, what's up, Damien? Did you hear the? You heard some of the talk with Stephen Box? Yeah, I was. I, I was. Seeing this on your cell phone because I called the wrong number. But no, I usually try not to listen to the speakers that are on right before me, so I don't end up just responding to what they say, and then they're already off, so they don't get a chance to respond to what I say. But you know, I hear it's Stephen Box, and I just have to turn on my computer right away and listen in. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I said, it's since he, uh, even though he's a board member, he didn't know the address for the website offhand. It's BikesideLA.org. Thank you. Yeah, I'm ensuring that I'm going to get a phone call as soon as I hang up the phone. Well, I'm sure he'll appreciate it. <laughs> he will. He will. Stephen and I are Stephen and I are good friends. But 
we like to tweak each other every now and then. Well, he had an interesting insight into the uh, the Measure R funding and, and about how he thinks, you know, it, it shouldn't be set aside, but it should be all integrated. Yes, I, I actually agree with him on that point. I would much rather see the city every time it does a road project, integrate bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure into it to make sure that the project is meeting the needs of both commuters and the community. Uh, the reality is they're not doing that, and we haven't seen an effort on their hand, uh, effort by the city to move towards doing that. Everything's always been segregated. So while I agree with him on that, and I'd love the city to see the, do, see, see the city start to do that, and I've been encouraging them to do that, uh, in the meantime, uh, I want to get money to get some of these projects going. It's sort of the analogy I always use is it's uh, two strategies towards the same goal. If it were football, it would be the difference between trying to slowly move the ball downfield with a lot of running plays versus going for the long bomb. Mm -hmm. uh, the goals end up in the end zone, and the end zone is streets that work for all users. Mm -hmm. um, it's just today we gained, uh, this week we gained five yards and maybe a first down instead of, uh, instead of getting the score. Okay. Well, we got the first down. <laughs> Step in the right direction, but we're uh, we got we had a lot of field to cover, so to speak. But uh, that being said, I was pretty uh, I was pretty encouraged uh, that the set aside went through for both bicycle and pedestrian projects. I was pretty encouraged also because this might seem weird. There was a pushback by some council members in this, uh, arguing that for budgetary needs we shouldn't be doing set asides. Uh, and we saw a lot of council members go on the record saying, no, we have not been serving these communities. We need to start doing more. Uh, and then voting for then voting. Uh, and so we saw them saying, actually taking money that probably would have been used for road projects, probably would have been used for the kind of projects we don't like, and saying, no, we're going to take it from those projects and we're going to give it to make sure our streets are safe and accommodating for bicyclists and pedestrians. Now, you know, we're talking for 2011, starting in July, July to July, I'm talking about, like, $5 million. And in the years after that, we're talking 3 or $4 million. So it's not like this money's going to save the city. But it's really the first time the city's taken its funds of any sort and actually dedicated it towards these kind of projects. You'll see them dedicated towards DASH, which is a good program. You'll see it dedicated towards other things. But you, this is the first time we've seen, no, this money every year, assuming they don't change their minds, and make a new vote, but this money is for our cyclists, this money is for our pedestrians, and that's a encouraging step. It's, it's not the end-all, be-all. It's not the, not the touchdown. We haven't, we haven't won to the point where we can throw the big party, but, we've, uh, but this was a good week. So this is every year? I mean, this is, this is forever? Uh, well, Measure I lasted 30 years. Uh, the vote the city council took said that uh, dedicated the money for the next I believe the next fiscal year or two, however, the way that the proposal was worded was unless they vote to change it, uh, it will stay dedicated. It's just that they voted to review it again. In other words, in a year from now, they're going to look and make sure that the money was spent correctly because this was sort of unbelievable. The city council, the LADOT's rep to the meeting said repeatedly he wasn't sure they were going to be able to spend all the money in a year. Like, there's not enough bicycle projects, there's not enough broken intersections, there's not enough failing crosswalks, there's not enough broken sidewalks to spend $5 million in a year. It was just, like, bizarro. Uh, so the city council wanted to make sure that the money was actually going to be spent on bicycle and pedestrian projects. They, we had enough projects to do it, uh, which was a little surprising. Like, how could we not? Um, but... Uh, the way the word the way the wording was was unless they take a vote and change their mind, this money is going to go towards bicycle and pedestrian projects. Obviously, mean, anything in the budget, yeah. and any set aside in the budget can be changed by a vote of the elected officials, unless it was a constitutional amendment of some sort. Uh, and this is uh, well short of that. But uh, mm -hmm. but no, it was it was encouraging, and it would be. I think it would be difficult if these projects are actually put on the ground. It would be very 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 difficult for a city council to say no. No, we want to go back to the we want to go back to the old way of doing business where everything's for the highways. And, and uh, I remember uh, Eric Garcetti once saying that the bike uh, coalition in LA is the constituency is the as the only group more active politically is homeowners. Uh, I would argue teachers might beat us too, but we're uh, we're certainly in the top. Teachers, yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, yes, I said, you know, the, the Bike Coalition did a great job of turning people out. And the interesting thing about this is a lot of 
people that don't always work together or necessarily get along were involved in getting this done, you know. I know Stephen, who was on earlier, uh, doesn't have a, have a love loss to the Bike Coalition, but uh, at a couple points during the thing, he came in with a level of expertise and lobbying knowledge and sort of thwarted some DOT efforts that would have blunted the amount of money that was going towards this. Um, and, you know, this isn't even something that's very high on his agenda, but this was really a all-hands-on-deck effort to get this done right. What, what kind of uh, you know, and, and we're talking a couple million dollars a year, and it took an all-hands-on-deck effort. That being mm -hmm. said, uh, I would much rather have won than not. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's going to be make it is going to make a big difference if it's up It takes thirty thousand miles to paint a bike lane if you don't have to take any property to do it. So, what does a million dollars worth worth of bike lanes? That's thirty miles. Right. Uh, you know, New York City might scoff at that, but if we were paying thirty miles of bike lane a year over the next ten years. You know, by the time my kid's 11 years old and biking around to the beach and stuff like that without his parents, you know, hovering right behind him watching him, that's going to be a lot more bike lanes for him. Right. Um, and how old will your kid be then? 11. <laughs> I'm trusting. Uh, I, I assume he'll be on his own bike and by the time he's four, you know, we'll be biking to school every day. That's one of the reasons we moved where we are, so that we could bike to a... Uh, bike to a school where he could, excuse me, we could have easy bike and walk pedestrian access to a, a bunch of good public schools. Is that the, the ultimate in what we want, uh, bike lanes? Is there something Um No, beyond? you know, it's um, the previews we've seen of the upcoming bike plan that we're going to apparently see sometime in April, which is really discouraging because it's May and we haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. But the preview we saw at the bike summit talked about a whole section at the end of what they're going to be calling non-standard design. And those are sort of the gold standard bicycling projects and bike corrals which I don't know if you talked about beforehand because I only caught the end of the yeah, interview I did we but, talked about it with uh, Glenn Bailey oh great but bike corrals is one of the things in there so we're starting to see the city embrace some of these uh, some of these things but uh, in those things you have the separated bike lanes you have the bike boulevards you know real bike boulevards with bollards and traffic calming and, and traffic circles and all of that sort of stuff all those types of things, the things we're seeing in Long Beach and New York and that we've always talked about in Portland, those types of things are all in the bike plan. They're not in it for specific areas, which is a disappointment. But if you have city council people willing to push the envelope and say, this is what we want, um, you're probably going to get it, which is what we saw with bike corrals. Uh, the, the bike coalition again and cycle and I don't know if bike side was involved or just some of their individual members, but again, a lot of people came together. Council member Reyes really got to have the vision for it. Local businesses were involved, hmm. and all of a sudden you had a coalition pushing this. Uh, sort of a dream in my head of what I'd like to see next as far as the non-standard ones is I want to see the uh, the bike lane that's down on Washington Boulevard that connects the uh, the beach going outwards towards, uh, towards the bike paths that are there. I want to see that turned into a separated bike lane where you basically all you do is you put up a very little bit of... Uh, protection just enough so that you know people know that there's something there and you switch the car lane and the bike lane and all of a sudden the bikes have their own space that's actually separated from the street mm -hmm. and all of those little shops that are on there along that area where people like to walk you know if they're coming home from the beach or just taking a break would have a low level of buffer between them and all the traffic that's on Washington Boulevard so it's a win for for everybody but it's just not something people in the city have thought about and the reason I put that so high on the list when it seems like it's something for tourists and all that is it's right in Bill Rosendahl's district, who's our city council transportation committee chair. And if we can start giving him, he's been talking good on bikes, he's, he's stuck up for bike corrals, he's stuck up for the 5% funding, excuse me, 10% funding for bicycle and pedestrians, but uh, let's give him a little vision of what he can see in his district. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think once we start making those small little small little changes in different districts, we're going to start seeing what they saw in New York, which is once the boulders start rolling down the hill, it, it's moving, and mm -hmm. it's not going to stop. And this is a sign of the boulder moving, rolling down the hill. The yeah, you know, the other thing, and, and I, I talked about this on Street's blog, and I started to talk about it with friends, and they've been picking up on this, is uh, I don't know if people have noticed this, but in the past month, I think the mayor has said the word bicycle in public speeches more than he has the first five and a half, six years that he's been in office. Wow. Um, and I, I hear rumors that we're going to get some really good news out of him concerning the uh, closed street parties on Sundays, the Ciclovias. But 
I, I don't have anything definitive. I've just heard good rumors. Okay. Uh, you know, his office really helped save the 10% set aside for bicycle and pedestrian funding and committees. Uh, it was looking, there were five, six people voting. We had a two-to-two vote sort of scribbled out on the paper. It sounded like Tom LeBondre was beginning to waver on it. Uh, and he asked for the mayor's office to come up and state their thing. And Jaime de la Vega gave uh, the most convincing case for a set-aside that I had heard anyone give uh, that wasn't a bike advocate. He's the deputy mayor for transportation, the one who famously drives a Hummer. Uh, and, uh, and then the mayor's talking up the importance of bicycling in the state of the city. He's talking it up in his... Uh, hold, hold on, his... Damien, I'm getting a okay. siren here. Okay. Hey, he's talking up bicycling and walking in the state of the city. He's talking it up in a state of clean air, uh, uh, an press event he did this week because it was revealed that while uh, Los Angeles' smog is reduced by 25% from where it was 10 years ago, we're still the smoggiest city in America. Really? But he's talking up, yeah, he's talking up walking and bicycling there, too. Like, all of a sudden, he's talking the talk. Uh, And I know it's, I mean, we're talking, you know, bike corrals and, a couple million dollars a year as far as walking the walk, but uh, I rarely see that transition from not mentioning something at all to all of a sudden completely embracing it. So we could be, uh, we could be, uh, you know, and I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying if things continue to go the way they've been going the past week, the past month, things could start happening here, Mm -hmm. and it could be really exciting. And Unfortunately, our big impediment is the Los Angeles Department of Transportation, who seems Uh to, who tried to water down the bike corral motion, and who seemed absolutely clueless up on the witness stand, or I guess they don't call it a witness stand, uh, for the city council, but I'm going to call it that and people will know what I mean. Yeah. Up on the podium, right. uh, seemed clueless about what, uh, whether or not we'd be able to spend $5 million on uh, bicycle and pedestrian projects in the wow. entire city of Los Angeles within a year. So we really have to keep the pressure on. Is that Michelle Maury up there on the witness stand? It was not. It was uh, it was a level above her. The it was a guy named Mike Uyano who's actually retiring in July. Um, uh, the pressure needs to be continue to be at the top. So Rita Robinson, some of the top deputies. I imagine there's going to be some shuffling of responsibilities because they don't have the money to hire a bunch of new people at the top. So it's going to be sort of a a story that I'm going to try to cover on Streets Blog, but it's. It's hard to sort of cover, like, new hires uh, in departments because, you know, there's no press release put out and you really have to have your ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and cover that because there's going to be a lot of promotions and that going on at DOT in response to uh, the furloughs and the people that are retiring, taking the retirement package the city's offering to cut their budget. And there's going to be a lot of new of shuffling of the deck. And if the right people happen to move into the right places, it could be exciting. If the wrong people move into the right places, it could be uh, more of the same, where you're more constantly fighting about speed limit increases and, you know, $5 million of curb cuts or something like that. Uh, so is there any, um, is there any uh, organization to try to keep the pressure on to maybe have some bike advocates put into those positions? Um, I don't know that anyone's been pushing specifically bike advocates, and I think it would actually be a mistake for us to say bike advocates, bike advocates, bike advocates for this, because there's a lot of smart people that are in government that, that aren't necessarily bike, bike people that, that would still be able to get this. Um, you know, I think you know New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg's like a bike hero right now because of all the things that are going on in New York. I have never in my life seen Mike Bloomberg ride a bike. He's a transit guy. Right. But he gets the importance of... Uh, he gets the importance of, uh, of moving people without necessarily being in a car, which is what's important. And once you have those people in place, you do that. Because, boy, this is going to sound like a Stephen Box love fest. Because uh. I think he might be listening. But he makes the point to me often when we're discussing that we need to move beyond being the user group that has, you know, somewhere between 2 and 10% of the populace using their, using their bikes to get around as opposed to recreation. And, you know, the loud user group that's trying to get what they want to being part of something larger, which is safe streets, clean streets, livable streets, whatever people want to call it, living streets, um, get beyond sort of being the loud minority user group into being the group that's making the case that we need streets that work for everyone. Um, And, you know, you can be someone that does that and not be a bike advocate or not be someone that rides a bike, just be someone that wants to wants to be able to walk their kids to school, but doesn't have the, the means to live in West L.A. Where, or some of the other areas where that's really easy to do. They'd be able to, you know, go have a good school and be able to walk to it. Or someone that wants to, 
you know, be able to lock their bike up at a train station. You know, that's that's our MTA, and they've been dropping the ball on that. And they're, it doesn't want to, it wouldn't take a bike out of it because they go, hey, we need to have bike parking at all these transit-oriented developments we're building. It just takes someone that, that gets that there's more to life than, than getting from place to place in their car. Well, that's pretty consistent, I think, with what Stephen Box was saying about, no, you know, we don't need stand-asides, uh, set-asides. We need to integrate. Yeah, I, I would love, I would love if, the, if our, our planning and our streets and all that were done in such a way that that we weren't fighting for a piece of the pie, uh, because ultimately it's an argument we have to get away from. Uh, but the reality is, is we weren't having any of the pie <laughs> at DOT. You know, we were getting random bike lanes going in around the city that no one knew about until they went in, that weren't even existing on the bike plan, like the ones that we saw go up on Myra Boulevard and the one we saw go up in, I think it was Jefferson Boulevard, and we were getting uh, bike paths, which are, are great for what they are, but we were getting bike paths funded from money from Metro and the state, and we weren't seeing those city dollars flowing into uh, real projects to make people safe that are your commuters. You know, I mean, I see these, million, these couple million dollars, and I hear that our bike plan, the one we're going to see, is going to include something that looks awfully similar to what is being called now the Backbone Bikeway Network. Uh, they're going to be calling it something like the Citywide Commuting Network or something like that. I can't remember what it is. Uh, but you know, how are we gonna how are we gonna fund making those those streets better if we're not if you know assuming that there isn't a big change where all of a sudden everyone is the streets are getting the kind of design that we need uh, instead we're fighting to change the on a case by case and we're gonna need money to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and we have some money. We have some. We don't have a lot, but we have some. Uh, let, let's hope they don't bump it all into the Expo uh, Bikeway project or something like that. Wow. So, but, but I guess we gotta keep watching them. Yeah, it's it's you know they are due to the city council is due to come to here at some point. Uh, the DOT is going to put together a list of projects that they're going to fund with this uh, five million dollars or three million dollars or whatever the million amount is. It's kind of interesting because DOT keeps saying three million dollars, but the mayor's budget says five point three five million dollars. So it's like, hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> we'll yeah. see what that. Uh, after the budget's passed, they'll come back with a project list for what they're going to do with that money, and that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, you know, there's always a chance that it's it's going to become incredibly depressing, but uh, the hope is we're going to see some projects. I suspect we're going to see a lot of stuff that's in the bike plan come out of it. I suspect we're going to see like uh, uh, a set aside fund for uh, repainting intersections or something like that. You know, for our pedestrians. Um, how about Stephen Box for transportation commissioner? Honestly, that was almost my uh, that was almost my April Fool's Day story. Was uh, <laughs> it was going to be either Empty Box or Steven Box getting hired as transportation commissioner, and the other one complaining that they can't get a job there. But uh, <laughs> I hadn't decided which one. But then we switched uh, after the reception Jeanette Sadek Khan got. We gave the uh, we ended up going with the Bizarro speech that Rita Robinson would have given uh, our you know LADOT general manager if, uh-huh. if she were giving a uh, keynote address to a street summit. Oh, and you reported it like she actually gave it? Yeah, we reported it as though she gave it in New York um, uh, at uh, some small liberal arts college in New York that would be the equivalent of Occidental. And actually, the New York Street Squad guys helped me uh, helped me edit it down to make it uh, a little bit New York specific so that some of the readers could get a snicker out of it, too. Can we see that in the archive? Uh, yeah, I would bet. I don't know if I ever put down that it was an April Fool's, but if you were in a search with quotes around Rita Robinson, it would pop up. And it was obviously, you know, pro-cars, anti-bikes. Um, yeah, more, a little bit more cluelessness, too. Cluelessness, yes. Um, we had her uh, making fun of some of the New York projects that had been really good, like that she was driving down the separated bike lane on 8th Street in New York and didn't understand why there was furniture thrown all around the street, but she was trying to drive through uh, Times Square. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to search on la.streetsblog.org for Rita Robinson, it's the third... Uh, story from the top. All right. Well, I think I'm wrapping it up here with you. Yeah. Thank you. I uh, I appreciate. It. I think this may be the longest we've talked without me in studio. So. Uh, yeah. And hey, I'll tell you, we just taught the kid how to take naps on his own without us. So nice. I'm one step closer to being able to be back in studio. Well, that would be great. Sound would definitely improve. <laughs> All right. Great. Hey. Uh, thanks for having me on, and I'll okay. talk to you again soon. Great. Thank you, Jamie. Take care. Bye-bye. And that would bring us towards the end of our show. I think we can stop a little bit early today since we've had such great interviews. 
with LABAC Chair Glenn Bailey, LACBC member and worker Dorothy Le, activist and advocate Stephen Box, and LA Streets Blog's Damian Newton. I'm Nick Richard. This is Bike Talk. You're listening on KPFK's podcast, if you're not listening live right now, on killradio.org. We're live every Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon, and the rest of the time we're on podcast on kpfk.org. Thank you for listening, and you can contact us at livebiketalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our websites, labiketalk.com and .org. And if you're a web designer and you want to help out, give me an email. All right. Claim your space.